You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we're going to continue on, and I've made the executive decision that we'll be talking about the Minnesota Vikings today. Same exact format as yesterday. We'll take a look at uh, last year, just kind of general sense. We'll take a look at some of the changes that have taken place for the Minnesota Vikings, and then we'll see where it is that they stand today. With that, I again want to encourage you to please jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group if you have not done so yet. The name of the group is Packernet Podcast, so it should be relatively easy to find. Similarly, the page is called Packernet Podcast. We're seeing a lot of growth there, which is very, very exciting. And for once, I'm saying we, and I don't actually just mean me, as in one of those weird things that some podcasters do where we say we but it's just me. I've done that several times. It feels weird, but it seems right. But in this case, there is we. I've been getting quite a bit of help from different people on different things, but uh, make sure you get in on that page. That sweet, sweet Packernet page. That's Packernet Podcast, by the way, because there is a separate Packernet page. Feel free to join that, too. That's for the website, but, you know. While While you're on Facebook, might as well just like all the things. Otherwise, five star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. If you haven't done so, Patreon.com would be a great place to support the podcast financially if you so choose. You may have noticed um, that there have not been any ads running. I noticed that um, very poignantly yesterday when I got uh, my paycheck. The math is fuzzy because I don't know exactly how many hours I spend doing the podcast, but I would say I made roughly $2 an hour. (laughs) And with the COVID-19 situation right now, Um, advertisers aren't going anywhere near sports podcasts so this month next month and the month after it's expected to be more of the same so if you could it would be greatly appreciated otherwise let's take a non-break now come back and start talking about the vikings i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So last year, the Minnesota Vikings did go 10-6. and six. Considering all of the hype and, and the relative talent and all that, 10-6 and 6 really is not all that fantastic. I think for the most part, the team had a ton of success right in the middle of the season, but it was kind of shaky on the edges. So from weeks 5 through weeks 11, they went 7-1. and one. 
They started the season 2 and 2. They ended the season 2 and 3. Now maybe I'm just being a little bit unfair and maybe you could do the same thing to the Packers, but if we look at it, what did they really do that was all that impressive? Honestly, I I would almost say, and granted they they had some big wins and and whatnot, but beating the Saints in the playoffs was their one big thing. And 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 you may not remember that was an overtime win. It was they nearly lost. They won in overtime. Then they went and played the 49ers and got stomped out. Similar to what happened to the Packers. Maybe not to the same degree, but 27-10, pretty decisive. Which is something else to keep in mind. Nobody talks about the Minnesota Vikings having a rough defense or being garbage or not having any any, any of that. Nobody has any. It's just the Packers. No, nope. Vikings absolutely got blown out. But let's look at what they did. If we look at their wins, they beat the Falcons, the Falcons are garbage. They beat the Raiders, the Raiders are garbage. They beat the Giants, the Giants are garbage. They beat the Eagles. The Eagles did beat the Packers pretty bad. But the Eagles were not a great team. They went 9-7 and seven last year. They beat the Lions, the Lions are bad. They beat the Redskins, the Redskins are bad. They beat the Cowboys, and we could say, whoa, yeah, yeah, there's a pretty good win. Cowboys were 8 and 8 last year. Remember, I know everybody's saying they're a great team this year because they got C.D. Lamb and because they got a pretty good roster and all that. But remember, this was a pretty bad team last year. 8 and 8. They beat the Broncos, the Broncos were bad. They beat the Lions again, the Lions were bad. They beat the Chargers, the Chargers were 5 and 11. I would go out on a limb here and say the only good team they beat was the Saints. The Packers are a 13-win team. They went 0-2 against the Packers. They also went 0-2 against the Bears, which is just shocking. They played the Chiefs and lost. They played the Seahawks and lost. They played the 49ers and lost. The only legitimate team, in fact, I'm trying to think who even, the only technically playoff team I think they beat outside of the Saints was the Eagles, and the Eagles, again, weren't even that good. They just limped in because the whole division is garbage. They got in with nine wins. I don't think there's a single other team that made it to the playoffs that they beat. Chargers, Lions, Broncos, Cowboys, Redskins, Lions, Eagles, Giants, Raiders, Falcons. That's it. And again, some of these were pretty decisive wins. So yeah, they, you know, they get up they they get up against a bad team, they can really tee off, boy. 28-12 against the Falcons. All right, let's have a party. 34 to 14 against the Raiders. Boom. 28-10 against the Giants. And to be fair, the Packers didn't do a very good job of that. And maybe that's that's the reason people give the Vikings respect and not the Packers, because they expect a team to just really tee off on a bad team. And the Packers didn't do that very well. And, th- and that is something to be worked on. But at the end of the day, the goal is to win football games. And I would point out for the Packers, the Packers, again, won 13 games. They beat the Vikings twice, who, I mean, you pick. Should I put that in the column of a team that's very good that they beat twice? Or should we all agree the Vikings aren't good? I'll, I'll, I'll let Vikings fans decide that. Because if the Vikings are a very good team, then, well, there you go. There's two examples. So guess what? We're already better than you. If the Vikings aren't a good team, then I've made my case. The, Viking, uh, the Packers did beat the Chiefs, which the Packers did not. Granted, Mahomes wasn't playing then. But Mahomes wasn't playing against the Vikings either, and you still lost. So, Sorry. So I don't know, maybe the Packers are in a similar boat. I mean, if we agree the Vikings aren't a good team, then, you know, beat the Bears who aren't good, the Vikings who aren't good, the Broncos who aren't good, the Cowboys aren't good, the Lions aren't good, the Raiders aren't good, beat the Chiefs without their quarterback, Uh, Panthers aren't good, Giants aren't good, Redskins aren't good, Bears aren't good, Vikings aren't good, Detroit's not good, and then beat Seattle, but again, similar circumstances, you won that one game in the playoffs. Either way, 
Packers are still better. And did not lose to the Bears. Didn't lose to the Seahawks. So, I, you know, again, similar to what I said yesterday, the NFC North has a lot to prove. Because I don't know a lot was really proved last year. We went up against the NFC East at a very opportune time. Went up against the AFC West, which is a pretty bad division outside of the Chiefs, and the Vikings and Packers both played the Chiefs when Mahomes was out. But either way, we're talking about the Vikings. And from where I'm standing, when you have this easy of a schedule and you only manage 10 wins, and by the way, got absolutely annihilated by your own division, not the Lions, but the, the Lions couldn't win any games. They were 0-4 against the Packers and the Bears. So again, this is our starting point. And it's I, the reason I'm hammering this so hard is, again, because the Vikings are given a lot of credit. This is a very good football team. We haven't even gotten to the changes yet. This is just the problem with 2019. But again, I think people's general framework is they remember the Vikings really beating up on teams bad. They remember the Vikings looking really, really good. And at the end of it, they had the eighth highest um, scoring offense and the fifth lowest scoring defense. Again, when they went up against bad teams, they really handled them. And that's going to inflate your stats a bit. And it's not a bad thing to have. When you're better, you're just really better. You know, again, you can just sort of tee off. When your offense is better than their defense, you just just hit the gas and just keep going. Just rack up a bunch of points. When your defense is better than their offense, you just shut them down. And that is a great quality to have, and it's something that the Packers need to do in 2020 that they didn't do last year. But that doesn't change the fact that the Vikings still were not that good against teams that had any sort of quality whatsoever. The fact is, for the most part, when they won, they won big, and when they lost, they lost small. And that's going to look really good on your stats, but you still have to find a way to win games against teams that are even halfway decent. The other issue would be their at-home record, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing for them. The, The bad part about it is the fact that the only two times they lost at home... It was the last two games of the season, and they were both against divisional opponents. They lost to the Packers at home 10-23, to and then lost to the Bears 21-19. That's not a great way to end your season. Granted, again, you beat the Saints in overtime. Good on you. That was quite a feat. But I, I just, I don't know how, as a Vikings fan, you look at this and are super encouraged. At least the Packers, when you look at it, managed 13 wins. You got 10 wins. You got beat out by your own division. You seem to lose that that at-home luster at the end of the season. You lost, similar to the Packers, in spectacular fashion, getting blown out. The only thing I can see that you have going for you is the fact that you made it to the playoffs, your stats are pretty solid, and you beat the Saints. But there's a lot of problems, and there's a lot of questions. And I'm, I'm not trying to say this is a bad football team, but if I had a a Vikings podcast, these are the kinds of questions I'd be raising. We already know the situation with the Packers. It was an inflated 13-3. and Everybody understands it. The Packers seem to understand it. That's been discussed up and down in the media. Everybody already talks about it. Packer fans have already come to terms with it. It's fine. Yeah, okay, fine. We maybe didn't deserve 13, but they got 13, didn't they? They won 13. They went to the playoffs. It was shaky. It was rocky, but they came out on top. Oh, well. Again, Vikings fans don't seem to have to go through that same kind of thing. Nobody seems to be asking them those kinds of questions. It's just Cousins is great, wide receivers are great, running back is elite, defense is just scary. All that, right? We Yeah, okay. okay. No questions, though? 
this easy of a schedule. Falcons, Packers, Raiders, Bears, Giants, Eagles, Lions, Redskins, Chiefs, Cowboys, Broncos, Seahawks, Lions, Chargers, Packers, Bears, Saints, 49ers. I mean, the last two in the playoffs, fine, but that regular season, you go 10-6. and six. Knowing what we know now, I mean, maybe going into the season, you're like, ooh, that's a tough one. But if you come to find out the Falcons aren't going to get any better, the Packers are kind of, you know, rocky, the Bears are going to completely fall off from what they did in 2018, the entire NFC East is a joke, the Chiefs aren't going to have their quarterback. I mean, if you find that out, you're looking at the Vikings saying, dude, this is a, I mean, like 12 wins, 13, 14? I mean, what what are we talking about here? No, we're talking about 10 and 6, which is fine. But there's, there's again, there's just nothing here that's really impressive. But that brings us to what has changed. Because we have a lot of questions, similar to the Packers. And the question is, how can we improve? And everybody seems to believe that they've improved based on what I've seen. The Packers won 13 games, the Vikings won 10, and now everybody seems to think the Vikings are better than the Packers. Maybe not everybody, but it's, it's pr- fairly common. I've seen the Packers coming in third in the division behind the Bears and Vikings. Just interesting perspectives out there, I'll, I'll say that. Interesting. Not intelligent, but interesting. Very, almost in sort of an artistic kind of way where you got to look at it sort of abstract. A pile of garbage. I mean, sometimes literal garbage and go, oh, wow. The depth of this is just incredible. Look at the way he smeared the blue and red paint and just seemingly spilled it in no particular thought-out way whatsoever. Incredible artistry. If you look at it in that sense, it's it's a beautiful, it's almost a masterpiece, really. If you think about, like, garbage modern art, in which people that aren't actually artistic just kind of smash colors together, and then take that kind of viewpoint and look at some of these power rankings and uh, thoughts about the Packers and the division and the NFC in general and the NFL in general and where the Packers rank in these things, you can really see it as sort of a, a piece of art that should be in, in a modern art museum. You probably could, actually. You could print out a power ranking from ESPN or one of these national folks. You could print it out, frame it, and hang it up in a modern art museum because it would be just garbage enough to uh, to really fit in. Sorry to any modern art fans, but come on, you gotta know, right? I remember hearing this one time a uh, an art teacher put a photo up for it's a college class. It was you know art students and all that, and so what do you guys think of this picture? And there's all these things like oh it's so it's beautiful and it's abstract and it's powerful and blah 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 blah. And he zoomed out and it was a picture of his art smock, just scattered paint all over. He's like, you guys are stupid. Stop saying dumb things. I'm sure he didn't say that, but if, if I was the art teacher, I would absolutely say that, and then I would flunk all of them and tell them to get real jobs. But, you know, probably not smart if you're the art teacher. Anyways, back to the Vikings. I've made reference to it several times, but I want to start with the cornerbacks, because one of the biggest problems this team had is that their corners were just not very good. And I mentioned that this is a team whose corners are not good, and they lost all their corners. So recently somebody got mad at me and left me a negative review because I made a mistake of saying that the Cincinnati Bengals got Xavier Rhodes when actually got Mackenzie Alexander. I, I Wow, I mean, if I'm going to get bad reviews for every time I mistakenly say the wrong name, I am in a lot of trouble. Kids these days, man, they just... I feel like some people just wait around for a reason to be angry. Like, they're angry about the fact that they have nothing to be angry about, and then they hear something, and they're like, Oh, there it is! Oh, thank you, God of Fury, for providing me this this manna, this plate of rage to feast on. I shall go forth and tell the world. 
But I have the list in front of me, so I should get all the names correct. So I'm very sorry for those of you looking for me to make a mistake. Stay tuned. I'm sure I'll do it a little bit later. Say a wrong word or get something mixed up. But they lost Mackenzie Alexander to the Cincinnati Bengals. See, I did it. It's, you know. They lost Xavier Rhodes to the Indianapolis Colts. They lost Marcus Sherrills, who's still a free agent. And they lost Trey Waynes to the Cincinnati Bengals. It is actually pretty bad when the Cincinnati Bengals pick up pick up two cornerbacks and I name the one guy that didn't go to the Bengals. But, you know, again, honest mistake. Sometimes I'm just kind of on a roll and I just say things without looking it up because I just I can't stop and fact check myself every two seconds. I'm just trusting myself to have some kind of sense of what's going on out there and you have to act as a filter. If I say something wrong and you catch it, just just understand what I'm saying, especially when it's not even the main point. But there has been a mass exodus of cornerbacks on a team that uh, does not have good cornerbacks. And in terms of free agent signings, they did not add a single cornerback. Now, they did in the draft. Their second first-round pick was Jeff Gladney, cornerback out of Texas Christian. They also got cornerback Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi State. And then drafted Harrison Hand out of Temple in the fifth round. So they've got three corners. Two of them were relatively high picks, a first round and a third round. And then they've also got a fifth round. So probably they're going to be able to get some kind of production. But the bottom line is this is not going to be a good cornerback group. They have zero. I, I you know, Presumably they have zero. Some people are going to try to fact check me on that. And Vikings fans are going to get mad. We don't have zero. That's true. You do have Mike Hughes, who you guys have been hanging on to since forever, that he's going to have a great year. He's going to be a great player and all that stuff. He has yet to do that so far. You've also got Holton Hill. To be fair, you know, some some seeming potential there. I don't know. He had a decent first year and regressed, which makes sense considering he's an undrafted free agent, but maybe. I don't know. But the bottom line is you've you've got, if nothing else, you've lost all of your experienced corners and you're asking guys to step up. You're probably going to have to force some of these draft picks on the field instantly. I mean, Jeff Gladney's not even a question. He's going on day one. But they essentially replaced Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, and Trey Waynes with Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, and uh, Harrison Hand. And it's just kind of a wait and see. There's no way of knowing whether or not they, they improved or got worse. You would assume they got worse, but the corners that they had were not very good, so it's hard to say. And yes, I know that you did get a first-round pick, and that's great, but let's also remember Trey Waynes was a first-round pick, as was Xavier Rhodes. So there's certainly no guarantee that this is going to be a much better situation for you. Um, additionally, the losses that they've got, Kentrell Brothers at linebacker, Everson Griffin is a massive loss uh, off the edge. Stephon Diggs. I mean, th- these are not small... Everybody loses players. These are massive cornerstone pieces. Even if these corners aren't great, this has been your group for a while. Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes. Mackenzie Alexander, by the way, was a second-round pick. So you lost two first-round picks and a second-round pick, replaced them with a first, a second, and a fifth. But again, Stephon Diggs is a cornerstone piece of your offense. Everson Griffin is a cornerstone piece of your defense. Linval Joseph, cornerstone of your defense. Jaron Curse, who they lost, had an absolute breakout year last year. Now, he's a prime regression candidate, but his grade overall was an 89. They basically gave him an elite grade. Curse is basically a, you know, safety slash slot corner type of player. He's gone. They lost Josh Klein at guard, David Morgan at tight end, 
Andrew Sandejo, who was not necessarily a starter, but he was their number three, and he was a very good football player. He's gone. Laquan Treadwell, again, is gone. Although certainly not a cornerstone piece, he is their wide receiver three. Now, they've gone out and and rectified that, and they've got a a pretty solid group, depending on how good Jefferson is, um, because Tajay Sharp is definitely an upgrade over uh, Laquan Treadwell. But again, that all entirely depends on uh, Justin Jefferson. Because if Justin Jefferson is not a very good wide receiver, Sharp and Thielen is a significant drop-off from Diggs and Thielen. So Jefferson is going to make a very big difference here. And then they also lost um, Weatherly, another defensive end, who went to the Carolina Panthers. Weatherly was not necessarily a very good football player necessarily, but, um, you know, it's still still depth. And they're going to roll with, you know, Hercules Mata'afa, Ifedi Odenigbo, and basically have said we've seen enough from, from Weatherly, we're going to let him go. People that they brought in, linebacker Demarcus Gates from the Houston Roughnecks, XFL. Not a whole lot of expectations there. They brought in Michael Pierce, defensive tackle. We've talked about that several times. Um, they replaced Linval Joseph with Michael Pierce. They gave him a three-year, $27 million deal. So $9 million a year, which is pretty steep. Although, it, they're kind of, they're betting on his upside. Again, Michael Pierce is strictly a, a run defender. He has five sacks in four years. Years. Not, not five sacks in four games years. He's had one sack the last two years, and that's in uh, about 550 attempts. He has one sack. The guy has zero ability to rush the passer. Linval Joseph, I don't think, was ever an elite pass rusher, but he at least had some ability. The guy's got 30 sacks in his career. Over the last four years, he's got, let's see, 13. So they're definitely moving backwards, but the hope is that they're going to get the best version of Michael Pierce as a run defender. And if you look at Michael Pierce, not necessarily last year, where he had by far his worst year, but in 2018, 2017, and even 2016, he was very, very good. So they're hoping to get a little bit of a rebound, and they're, they're sort of paying him as such. But again, at his best, he is sort of a Snacks Harrison type. Very, very good against the run. Provides nothing else. They brought in Tajay Sharp, as I mentioned, from the Tennessee Titans. One year, $1 million deal, which should go to tell you exactly what they expect from him, which is not very much. And then the only other person brought in was Anthony Zettel, defensive end out of uh, the San Francisco. Again, a one-year, $1 million deal. Now, this is not insignificant. You're going to pay what a guy is worth. And it's not just what he's worth to the Vikings. If, if a one-year, $1 million deal is the best he can get anywhere in the NFL, that tells you everything you need to know. And the fact of the matter is Zettel is just a bad football player. And this is similar, you know, I mean, the Packers have had to do this with several positions in which they've gone backwards. You know, we lost players. They lost two defensive ends. One of them is a core guy. And at some point, you kind of just say, you know, we need to find somebody that just sort of fits our system and what we're looking to do. Zettel, to be fair, has not really been given a lot of opportunities. And so they're just going to try him out. I mean, they've had him or seen him in Detroit. That's If you think the name sounds familiar, that's where he's from. He did have one decent year in Detroit. That was the one year that he actually has played some sort of significant snaps. And he actually did have seven sacks, almost sort of a uh, Kyler Fackrell year. So they're maybe betting on upside, but I think that this is more or less a we need a body. He's willing to come in for a million bucks. Fine. So again, I've been saying for a long time, this is a team that went backwards, and there's no question about it. Everybody else that they quote-unquote added is just re-signing guys. They re-signed Amir Abdullah, Dan Bailey, Britton Colquitt, Kirk Cousins... 
uh, Dakota Dozier, C.J. Ham, Anthony Harris, Rashad Hill, Brett Jones, Sean Mannion, and uh, Eric Wilson. And that's, you know, the Vikings have become well-known for that. It used to be the Packers' M.O., which it still kind of is, but now it's, you know, the Vikings keep their guys to a fault. I mean, they'll keep a guy... I'm convinced they're going to keep their linebackers into their 50s. And then finally, the additions via the draft. Uh, again, I mentioned Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney. They also added Ezra Cleveland in the second round, which surprises me a bit. I don't actually know the uh, intention of that. I know a lot of Packer fans liked Ezra Cleveland. I did not like him at all, but he is now a Minnesota Viking. I know it seems relatively obvious if you just look at it from the standpoint of, well, they don't have a great offensive line, but who's going away? Are they going to take one of their tackles and kick him into guard? Are they going to put Ezra Cleveland at guard? Because that would be ridiculous. Ezra Cleveland is a big, tall, long, athletic guy. He's only going to be a tackle, at least in my opinion. I can't imagine a guard that would be like Ezra Cleveland. I mean, I'll tell you what. I won't even say the offensive linemen's names. You tell me what position they play. And all you have to do is say tackle or interior offensive line. Ready? Six foot six, three oh five. Six foot seven, two ninety seven. Six foot three, three oh three. Six foot three, three oh six. Six foot four, three twelve. If you guess the first two are tackles, you are right. And if you're not sure what the formula is, the really tall guys are tackles. The six foot three shorter and stockier guys are your interior guys. Your six foot six, six foot seven kind of longer, leaner guys are your tackles. Ezra Cleveland is six six three ten. He's a tackle. And look, maybe they're just doing the prudent thing. I mean, we had discussed the possibility of keeping Brian Balaga and still drafting a guy who's going to maybe sit for a year, learn, and then take over next year. They could be looking at that for Riley Reef, who is thirty one years old. He's still under contract this year and next year, but there's no telling. Maybe they just move on from him. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't matter. Again, it's similar to the Brian Balaga situation where it's not great because it's pretty unlikely to be an upgrade, although in this case, Riley Reef is, I guess, good, not great. But anyways, it's it's a sort of a, a non-issue because I don't see Ezra Cleveland really massively upgrading the team all that much. I mentioned Cam Dantzler in the third round. They also went out and got uh, DJ Wonham, defensive end out of South Carolina. So they got another pass rusher. They got James Lynch out of Baylor. He is a defensive tackle, so they got to build that up. They got Troy Dye. A lot of Packer fans really liked him. Linebacker out of Oregon. Very fast, athletic-type linebacker, and I think a smart move because I do think they need to start finding new linebackers. I mentioned cornerback Harrison Hand in the fifth round. They also got K.J. Osborne, a wide receiver. Again, don't expect very much from him at all. They got another tackle, Blake Brandell who's probably not going to be doing much. They got Josh Metellus, safety, who is not going to be playing. They got Kenny Willickis, a defensive end out of Michigan, who surprisingly fell all the way to the seventh round, another pass rusher. Nate Stanley, the quarterback, who is not going to be playing. Brian Cole, a safety, who is not going to be playing. Kyle Hinton, a guard out of Washburn. They do need guard help, but again, not until the seventh round. So the entire seventh round was a waste. Kenny Willickis, maybe, but you know the fact that he's a seventh-round pick. They had six seventh-round picks. That's crazy. They traded two of them, but still. Uh, the sixth round was a waste. Again, they got a safety and a tackle. They got their safety spots locked up. Um, if they're going to move on from their t- one of their tackles, it's not going to be with a sixth rounder. Uh, the fifth round was largely probably a waste because I don't expect Harrison Hand, the cor- considering they got two other corners that they drafted, they've got two other corners on the roster that they're probably going to be putting as a priority. Um, and then also a wide receiver who's not going to be playing because they got a first-round wide receiver. They've got, um, they got Sharp. And they got Thielen. 
So basically, it's the first four rounds, which is true of most teams, I think. The first four rounds are what you're looking at. What does Jeff Justin Jefferson bring? But again, it's in place of Diggs, so it's probably not going to be that much of an upgrade. Ezra Cleveland isn't going to play. Wonham, I would be shocked if he ends up being an elite pass rusher, fourth-round pass rusher. Uh, James Lynch, maybe. It's not impossible that he is productive uh, next to Pierce. And Troy Dye is, is a possibility. Outside of that, it really just comes down to the cornerbacks. Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler, what can they provide? But the bottom line is, in no way could you look at this and say they got better, unless you just want to assume everybody's just elite. J- Justin Jefferson is better than Diggs. Jeff Gladney is instantly an upgrade at corner. Ezra Cleveland is, is going to take over and be better at tackle. Cam Dantzler is going to be an upgrade over Trey Waynes or whoever you thought was the second-best corner. DJ Wonham is a plug-and-play pass rusher. I mean, you, you, you have to make a lot of silly assumptions in order for this team to get better. Remember, they lost their second pass rusher, who was a very good pass rusher. Not elite, but a solid football player. That, that has a serious impact. And so, again, we start with the situation in which the team, I don't think, really proved that they were an elite football team, has seemingly gone backwards on a team that is pretty old. Right? Unlike the Packers, this is a team whose core pieces are, are not very young. Cousins is 31. Thielen is 29. Reef is 31. Daniil Hunter is still very young, which is good for them. Kendricks and Barr. Kendricks is, I mean, he's 28. I guess it's not super ancient, but he's not young. Barr is also 28, and they're seemingly looking to... Anthony Barr is just terrible. Anthony Barr had one good year in 2015. And again, I, I keep hammering this because I think people look at, at um, Kendricks and Barr as this great linebacker duo. Anthony Barr was good once. He's been terrible for four years. And Kendricks has never been good outside of last year, ever. The highest PFF has graded him was 2016. He was 28th out of 88. That is until this year when he was ranked second, which again, this keeps changing. He used to be first, now he's second. Either way, there's there's almost no way he replicates it, unless he just figures something out, something clicked, and now he's the best linebacker in all football, whatever. But Harrison Smith, who has been a cornerstone for this defense, is 31 years old. Anthony Harris, who is kind of a new revelation, who shouldn't be a new revelation, he's been very good since forever, is uh, 28 going on almost 29 years old. So, I mean, it's it's... When you look at the youth, the, the cornerstone youth, you've got Daniil Hunter and Dalvin Cook. I mean, as far as guys that we know are actually good and, and are going to carry this on, we don't know anything about Jefferson or Gladney. Maybe Brian O'Neill, if he ends up even being any good. Brian O'Neill is their right tackle. They don't have a lot of young cornerstone pieces. Oh, what about the Packers? You think they're so young. What about Aaron Rodgers? He's 500 years old. Okay, Devontae Adams is only 27. Aaron Jones is 25. Jair is 23. Kevin King, if we want to go that way, is 25. Zadarius Smith is only 27. Preston Smith is only 27. Kenny Clark is 24 years old. Adrian Amos is only 27. Darnell Savage is 22. And we could probably add Elton Jenkins, who's 24. These are good football. You know, Cornerstone might be a reach, but these are good football players that are young. Jones, Adams, Jenkins, Alexander... If you don't want to add King, fine. Smith, Smith, Clark, Savage, Amos. It's a massive difference between the Packers and the Vikings. You know, the, the ability to expect progression as opposed to the Vikings, where you look at a guy who's 30 and say, what 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 what, do you, what don't we know about this guy? What What's going to happen that we don't already know? Darnell Savage is just starting out. Jair is about to go into, what, his third year? Kevin King's going into his fourth year. He hasn't proven all that much, but he's gotten better literally every year, according to PFF. 
His first year, he got a 51. Second year, got a 56. And this year, a 62. And he ended the year really strong. Maybe not so much against San Francisco, but Minnesota, Detroit, Seattle, he had some pretty good games. And really, the guy was, I mean, if we're just looking at grades, without looking at anything else, the guy was pretty steady Eddie most of the year, but just had some really bad games mixed in. This is actually, I did this with Devontae once, where I looked at him early on, and I, I looked at a couple different things. How many elite games? How many good games? How many mediocre games? How many bad games? How many terrible games? And what you notice about Devontae is you start to see, first of all, there's no elite games. There's very few good games, and then the most are, are average to below average to bad. Then the really bad just disappear, and it's kind of, it's sort of more mediocre, a little bit more good, a little bit less bad. Then the next year you get that well, that one elite game, and it's like, oh, look, here's a couple elites, and there's still no really bad games, and there's only a handful of bad games, and it just progresses in that way where you start to see more at the top and less at the bottom. And with Kevin King this year, he had three ga- two games that were graded out as very good, which is in the 80s. Minnesota Week 16, Philly Week 4. He had one game that was very close, which is the Chargers Week 9, which is encouraging because two of those games, the Packers played terrible. Kevin King was a standout in those games. He had three additional games in which he was graded out as good. Week 1 against Chicago, Week 7 against Oakland, Week 10 against Carolina. Two other games that were close, Week 2 against Minnesota, Week 17 against Detroit. He does seems to do very well against divisional opponents. His Some of his best games, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, and Minnesota again. That's what, 4 out of 8? But, mixed in were some really, really terrible games. He had four in particular that were really bad. As in, I'm, I'm saying below 50. The way that it works typically is 60 is average. 50 I call below average. 40 is bad, and below that is, is disgusting. Kansas City Chiefs, grade was a 47. Denver, his grade was a 40. Against San Francisco, week 12, his grade was a 37. Against Detroit, week 6, 28.6. You probably can visualize him against Detroit getting annihilated. But again, there's less of that, and there's more on the other side of of seeing positives. And really, 2018 is hard to gauge because he played so little. But even in that, he had six games. Only one of them was even above average. It was against San Francisco, and his grade was an 85, which is great. But every other game, 60, 60, 50, 50, 40. And then 2017, again, somewhat of an abbreviated year. But half of his games were below average. Three of his games were terrible, which is interesting because the guy only played, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So his, his rookie year, he played nine games. Three of them were terrible. That's one third. This past year, he only had four games that were terrible, and he played every single year or every single game and in the playoffs. And he only had four terrible. Again, it's growth. It's growth in every way that you can measure it. So I'm, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but again, I'm, and I've been the biggest Kevin King detractor. People have literally made memes about it. It's becoming a running joke. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying that everything I want to see from Kevin King, with the exception of just him being an elite corner, which would be nice, but everything you want to see in terms of, of having a reason to believe that this guy who's only 25 is going to continue to grow is, is there. You're seeing sort of that Devontae Adams-esque growth, especially for a guy that's only played, he's, he's had two hurt seasons last year or two years ago, technically. He hardly played at all. So his first full season, you see growth. I mean, what happens in year two? Maybe that's a little bit overstated. It's technic- I mean, it's, it's literally year four, so maybe I shouldn't give him that much leeway, but it's, it is promising. And again, y- you, you flip back to the Vikings, and there isn't much of that. They have to replace their linebackers. Harrison Smith is not going to be at the top for very long. They still don't have any corners. They have a lot of question marks along their defensive line, outside of Hunter. Hunter is, is really the only guy, and maybe Harris, that has youth on his side. He's going to be there for a long time. He's very talented. Everybody else is a question mark. 
And then on offense, I don't know who they have, period, that they can count on outside of Cook. Again, Brian O'Neill had one decent year, which happened to be last year. He's young, so maybe. Thielen is 29. Cousins is, you know, I mean, he, he just got locked up for longer, but the guy's 31 years old. And who knows? I mean, he could play until he's 40. A lot of the quarterbacks, maybe if he can play at a high level, who knows? He could have two, three, four, five more really good years. But again, just comparing it to the Packers, I don't see any possible way. Packers had a better record. The Packers are more impressive in their their wins. Not not necessarily in their ability to beat up on bad teams like the Vikings did. Uh, You look at the fact that the Packers went 2-0 against the Vikings. You look at the fact that technically the Packers went deeper in the playoffs. The Packers are younger. The Packers are going into a new system for their second year. That was year one of a, of a new system and of a new head coach. Everything, everything points to the Packers being a better team. And it doesn't mean they're going to be a better team. I'm just saying, when you take all the available information, I don't know what formula you could use, what kind of a broken machine would spit out Vikings are better. I, I, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. It's possible. Of course it's possible. And, and I can make up whatever scenario you like. Jefferson is elite. Again, Diggs was already pretty elite, so I don't know how that fixes anything, and you still have a bad offensive line, and we're still going to terrorize Kirk Cousins because Darius is amazing, and Kenny Clark is fantastic, and Rashawn is probably going to take a little bit of a step, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and Savage in his second year and all that. You know, I'm, I'm trying here, but I, I just offensively, I, got, I, I, I literally have nothing. I mean, is Irv Smith the answer? Maybe that's the thing. Irv Smith, the tight end they drafted in the second round, who was mediocre last year. Kyle Rudolph is technically a better tight end, which isn't saying a ton. I mean, maybe you get that two tight end thing going on, and you get Jefferson and Thielen with Smith and Rudolph out there, and man, you just start tearing it up, and you got Cook. Mmm! Cooking with gas, folks! Doesn't change the fact that we already had Thielen, Rudolph, Smith, and Cook, and Cousins in this terrible offensive line last year. Just replace Jefferson. But if we just assume everybody gets a lot better, then they'll probably be better than the Packers, despite the fact that we don't really have any reason to believe that because it's the exact same offense as last year minus downgrading a wide receiver. And defensively, we we just lost all our corners and added Gladney. We lost our second pass rusher and our interior rusher, and we added a, a guy who's a great against the run, at least he used to be. And we got two corner two linebackers that I don't think are very good, and we got two very, very good safeties assuming they continue to be very, very good. Harrison Smith, there's no reason really to believe he's not, other than the fact that when you get to be 31, 32, 33, things start to break down whether you like it or not. I, 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 I wish there was somebody sitting here arguing with me so I knew which direction to start swinging. I'm just swinging blindly because there's just, there's, I don't even, I see nothing to even swing at. There's no argument for it. There's nothing to suggest the Vikings should be better. And I'm, I'm just trying to find maybe where somebody could prop up an argument and punch it in the face. And it's, you know, maybe I'm just, Maybe I shouldn't even, that's just mean because nobody actually thinks that. But I, I, again, I got nothing. I have no thoughts on this. This is a team, like many teams, who, who has talent in certain areas. Safeties, pass rusher, quarterback, running back, wide receivers, solid. But they've also got a ton of holes. They also only won 10 games and they only beat bad teams. And they got annihilated in their own division, including by the Bears, who are a pretty bad team. I don't know. I, I got nothing. I would expect this to be a tough team. I respect their coach, his ability to make this defense formidable no matter what the circumstances are. Extremely talented guy. Offense seems to be on a bit of a roll, so they're going to continue to do stuff. But again, I, you know, you know, we talk about the Detroit Lions in a negative kind of way. 
I, I just, I, I think maybe the Vikings get a little bit too much respect. This hasn't been that great of a franchise. I mean, they've had some pretty good winning seasons, right? 2017, they won 13 games. But sandwiched in between, that was an eight-win season. And before the 13 wins was an eight-win season. And then they had their 11-win season and then, you know, lost in the wild card because they're the Vikings. But then before that, seven wins. And before that, five wins. I mean, Zimmer's only been here since 2014. But Zimmer has had three seasons out of six that are at or below eight wins. It's literally every other year. Seven wins, 11 wins. Eight wins, 13 wins. Eight wins, 10 wins. I mean, I'll give respect to Zimmer. I've been impressed with what he's done, more or less. But you want to talk about squad. All these guys I'm talking about that are old were not old when Zimmer took over. There were guys that were here that were talented that are gone now. What have they done? They've had three bad years, three good years, and they've won two playoff games in six years. I mean, the Packers have been in a slump in that entire period and still are have done better than that. In that same stretch, we got 12 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins, 7 wins, 6 wins, 13 wins, and five playoff wins. So, you know, the Vikings deserve some respect, but there, there shouldn't be as much as they get. Zimmer has squandered some pretty fantastic teams. To have three winning seasons in six years and two playoff wins, it's no wonder. I mean, I, even I maybe didn't even see, see how not great this was because I was surprised when I had heard the rumors that if they didn't beat the Saints, Zimmer was going to get fired. And I thought, why would you fire Zimmer? He's a good coach. Dude, this, this, this is, he had six years with this pretty incredible roster, right? You think about the Seahawks and how much I trashed them for, they used to have this great roster and then it slowly eroded and then the guys all fell away and now they're just stuck with nothing left. Zimmer had a similar thing. He had a very tough defense. Granted, there was some problems on offense, but even that got rectified. As soon as Kirk Cousins got here, you're, you're off and running. And even before Kirk Cousins got here, you had great quarterback play from, from just randomly garbage people, but it just it never came together. And so we literally have a team, again, just the respect I don't understand, where Zimmer's about to be fired. If he has, if he, if he does what he's done literally every single year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, this year should be a bad year. We're looking at an eight-win season this year based on his track record. He's getting fired. It's over. And that would actually kind of make sense because you bring in a new coach, you go in a new direction, and you got all these old guys, and you're going to start seeing them get shipped out. Linebackers are getting shipped out. All these old guys that are sitting around that haven't done anything are going to get moved out and we're going in a new direction. And what honestly is more likely? A 13-win season in a Super Bowl championship or an 8-8 eight and eight season where Zimmer gets fired and they tear this thing down and rebuild it? I would say they're significantly closer to an 8-win season losing their head coach and starting over than they are to a Super Bowl. That's just me, though. And again, if you don't think that's true, tell me what you have this year that you didn't have over the last six years with Zimmer. What do you have this year that you didn't have in 2019? when you got 10 wins? What do you have this year that you didn't have in 2017 when you got 13 wins? Or 2015 when you had 11 wins? We got Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you had Kirk Cousins in 2018 too when you went 8-7-1. and one. I don't know. I, I, just, that, I got nothing else to say about it. That's it. There's no question they could be a good team, but to assume it is silly. And to assume they're going to be better than the Packers is silly. This is a team like a lot of other teams that has a record of really impressive rosters that just can't get the job done. And they're continuing that tradition. And now you can't even necessarily say they have a really good roster. You could in the past. They've had very recently rosters that were very enviable and they couldn't do anything with it. Now you're starting to see that all fall apart. Losing Everson Griffin, that's pretty significant. Losing all the, you know, again, two first-round corners and a second-round corner are gone. That's that's quite a bit of investment that, that's gone now. So we'll see what happens. I You know, they've got the pieces to be scary. And at the end of the day, for the Packers, it, it, 
it doesn't matter all that much. You know, when, when it comes down to Packers versus Vikings, when you go toe-to-toe with this team, the only question is, are the Packers going to win? And that's certainly not a guarantee. They have enough talent to run over the Packers. The fact that they may have lost two or three games pre- previously, and, and, and what I'm talking about can be illustrated very clearly with the Lions. We can sit back and laugh all we want. The fact of the matter is we almost lost to them twice. The fact that they won three games doesn't really matter if they end up beating you, right? It's, it's inconsequential. And the fact is they do have the pieces to beat the Packers, and they should be respected at least insofar as that's the case. But again, looking at it from a, from a, a high angle, zoomed out perspective, I just, I don't see how you put this team at the top. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. Mm, you can't just say it. you got to sing it. And no, you don't have to sing it well. So don't even try to hit me with that. In fact, if you sing it well, shame on you. It shouldn't come from the heart or the soul or the diaphragm. It should just come from like deep in the gut. It's a gut thing. You got to just belt it out there. Anyways, enjoy your day. I maybe I should talk to you tomorrow because then we do the Chicago Bears in rhythm. But I'm not the only one that takes weekends off. Usually the listeners do, so maybe we'll just wait till Monday. I don't know. I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Have a good day. Bye bye.